This is a message that is absolutely, horrifically important. And it is horrifying to preach it. Honestly. Because it is a collision on a daily basis in our lives. And that is, we've been talking about the year to change forward. We've been talking about how God is going to call us to and command us to change, to mature, to develop. Turn to somebody and say, you got to grow up someday. And so many believers are so immature, they've been born again, they should have already been teachers, they've been in the house of God for so many years, but now they're still needing milk instead of meat. And God is saying that in 2021, he's maturating his church on a quicker basis because there's a necessity for, to be able to handle the new souls from the third outpouring, which will be the greatest harvest the world will ever see before the second, excuse me, the rapture of the church. And so there's a necessity to grow up quickly. Turn to someone and say, you got to grow up. Tell somebody else, you got to grow up. If they're saying it nasty, just rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Now, we were talking about how um, there are certain things that never change. God never changes. Shout it out loud. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Shout it out loud. God cannot lie. That's right. That's who he is. That is that consistency. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, God cannot be faithful if he's always changing. His principles never change. How he's dealt with mankind has changed, but how the basic principle of who God is has never changed. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three yet Oh, I've heard all my, I, I just heard, I just heard rock solid faith, folks. Ready? The Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three yet. One. That's called the triunity of the Godhead. Today I want to talk to you about something. We've talked about absolute authority. Who's the absolute authority? God the Father. You see, you can't have absolute, which means all in all. You cannot have absolute authority if you're constantly changing, shifting, and moving. You see, God can only be the absolute authority because he is the I am that I am. He is the first and the last. There is none beside him, none before him. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the all and all. You see, who God is is imperative because you cannot have absolute authority if you're constantly vacillating, transitioning, and never being the same. You see, you can have faith in the faithful when you see the consistency of who he is. That is absolute authority. Last week we talked about the absolute truth, how God's word is absolutely the truth, and that if it's not the truth, then we need to pack up and go home and stop playing religion. Can I hear an amen? I am not interested in building a religious organization. I am not interested in just doing something because it could be done or should be done. I want to see the absolute truth of the word of God. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Jesus declared that the word he is that became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word declares that if the Son of God be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. So when the church gets back to actually believing 
reading the Bible, then we are actually people that are going to have the understanding of the absolute authority. The challenge we have in today's America is that we don't like authority. The challenge we have in America is we don't like authority. We like to have people speak into our lives and tell us what we like, but I am an adult. How dare you correct me? You like the white converse? Man, they're sharp, aren't they? Do you see what I just did? I just changed the topic. Because isn't that what we all do? When it comes down to the place of really recognizing divine authority, absolute authority, then that means we've got to be absolutely submissive. Well, come on now. I, I know we're Pentecostal. We've got to be absolutely submissive. No cussing in the house of God. In the old days, we used to call it wooden cussing. When you would hit something, rah, that's wooden cussing. Here we are as believers, we've got to get back to believing the Bible is absolutely true. Because if the Bible is not true, then the absolute authority has been dethroned. If the absolute authority has been dethroned, then we are again playing a religious game. But if the absolute authority is who he says he is, and he has granted to us, according to the word of God as we preached last week, the absolute truth, not truth, but absolute truth. That means that there is no variance. That means there is no spinning or turning. That means there is no twisting or curves. That means if it says it, it is. That means that there is no, come on now, no debate. There is no democracy in the kingdom of God. Well, let me say that again. We live in a democratic society. God's kingdom is not democratic. You don't have the right to tell him, I don't agree with you. I'm sorry, you do have the right. But you will always lose. Because whether you like the truth or don't like the truth, the truth is always still the truth. People that don't like truth don't like authority. Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. People tell me all the time, I love God, but they live like the devil. You don't love God. You love the concept of God. You love the mental ascent of who God is, but you truly do not genuinely love God or you will obey God because you will see God as the absolute authority who has mandated absolute obedience so that we can live in absolute blessing. When we grab a hold of this, it changes our life. It changes how we view. Listen, now, I, I don't know about you. I, 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 wear, I wear glasses, and I have an astigmatism, not nearsighted or farsighted, Stigmatism, which means your eyes are becoming like a kitty cat, and, uh, and, and, and you start seeing like six people. No, I don't see that. I mean, I can sit here without them, I can read, I can, but there's not clarity. 
Well, I went out and bought glasses. Oh, back that up, man. You're scaring myself looking at that TV thing. I saw nose hairs in that one. I thought I plucked them all. Where was I? Stigmatism. This last pair of glasses I bought, I went to Empire Vision. Oh, shoot, I'm not supposed to say that name. Edit that out. I went to an, uh, a vision place and got my eyes tested and got a pair of glasses. And then I went to another one that was supposed to be better because I want to see the best. So I went to that one. And that one, man, it took four times before I finally said, it looks good. It didn't really look good, but I said it looked good because I know after four times you can't figure it out. <laughs> so the other day, you know, it's a different style. You know, it's a different style, and I like to be a little styling. I'm not a real styler. I mean, I like plaid. I'm a plaid guy. But <laughs> she said, that's not style. The plaid guy. But you know, sometimes I like to wear style. This is style. Would you say this is style, dear? I look good. Thank you very much. She had to say that. It's Valentine's Day. The other day, I get in the truck, and I just said, you know what? I want to wear these other glasses. So I pop these off, and I pop those on, and I went, ooh. Then they adjusted. My eyes started adjusting to these things. And so I wore them for like the whole day. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, the, the, sun was going, the sun was going down and I was driving into the sun. And I said, I need some sunglasses. So I took my prescription sunglasses off, took those off, put those on and went. And I said to Rhonda, we have issues. I can't wear those again. My left eye actually hurts. <laughs> Everything is about perspective, and it's about how you see, and it's about how you understand. And today I want you to realize something, that if you're going to have and understand the absolute word, then you're going to have to also know that if you have absolute authority with absolute word, you can have absolute faith. This is the conflict that we have right here, is absolute faith. Why are we having struggle with absolute faith is because we question the absolute authority's absolute word, which now has a collision with absolute faith. So now it's so easy to doubt rather than to believe because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus, who is the word, and now we're looking at our circumstances and we are now questioning the absolute authority. Then, and in his word that says, this is so, we say, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't really believe the way I think I should. If we're going to transition to be great in the kingdom, we've got to recognize that everything that God does is by faith. Somebody said to me, are you preaching about faith again? Absolutely. I could preach on faith 52 weeks a year and never out-preach it. And I'll tell you why. Because without faith, it doesn't matter how and who you are, you will not 
be able to obtain from heaven, but by faith. So if we don't have faith or don't understand faith, then we can have a great desire, but never a manifestation. Oh, boy, I'm in trouble. Our text for the year is Isaiah 43, verse 19. Listen carefully. I'm about to do a new thing, says the Lord. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, which means I'm going to make it, the path so clear to you, this new thing that I'm doing, that the only way to miss it is to walk around blindfolded. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 15 through 20. Then I'm going to preach quickly. I'm going to go Bostonian on you. It says this, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often has fallen into the fire and often into the water. The young boy was demon-possessed. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to the mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing, shout nothing, shout nothing. Come on, in the comment, write nothing. Nothing shall be impossible for you. God cannot do a new thing in the wilderness. God cannot do a new thing with your life and my life and a house's life until the old one is at least fixed. Has anybody ever had bad plumbing before? Man, we had some bad plumbing. I, I, we got into this new house, and within the first few weeks, we had a backup. So, of course, I called my brother-in-law, Chad, who is a, he is a master of all things. He comes to the house, and he's underneath in that crawl space, and all of a sudden I hear, oh, disgust. There was a manifestation. He come out not doing okay. <laughs> I thank God I was not under there. And my nephew was under there, and we had to go buy kitty litter. I mean, it was nasty. I mean, it was nasty. But one of the things we found was he touched another pipe that went to the shower, and the shower pipes fell apart. All the piping underneath our house is has been made for a, a, a trailer park. Nothing wrong with trailer parks, but it's not supposed to be in a house. So all of our plumbing in the basement is not made for a regular house, which means we have issues. Which means you got to fix it. I said you got to fix it. You got to change forward. I said, you got to change forward. Turn to someone and say, I love change. 
Oh, you're prophesying to yourself right now. Hallelujah. Whether you like it or not, everything about the kingdom works by faith. I'm just going to read a bunch of verses, and then I'm going to get down to where I'm going, because if not, we'll never get there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, now faith is the assurance, title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and it is the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of the reality. Faith comprehends as fact, shout fact, as fact, what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gained approval. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes near to God must, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For I say to you through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing by the word of God. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostles said, show us how to increase our faith. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. By faith. Faith and faith alone is how God's kingdom runs. I preached a message many years ago that faith is the currency of heaven. And it literally is how we obtain from the supernatural and bring it to the natural. The challenge is not that that is available. The challenge is not that God wants to. The challenge is not that it is available for all those that are called sons and daughters of the Most High King. That the Bible declares it, it is yours. That's not the issue. The divine authority is not the issue. The divine truth is not the issue. The fact is, Absolute, come on now, absolute faith is the issue. Our faith is the issue on whether or not we're going to obtain the promises of God or we're going to sit back and hope for them but never see them. Amen. You see, you have to have hope as part of faith. Hope is believing for something in the future. But God is not moved by your hope. God is not moved by your need. God is moved by faith. The assurance, the title deed of saying that I've prayed for it and I've received it is literally this book. This book is the tangible evidence. Oh, come on now. Let this seep in your spirit. This book is the tangible evidence that what the absolute authority has said can be absolutely obtained by faith. It's mine. We have friends of ours that one of them was very sick. No one really even knows. Very ill, like to the point of death. And this is what he did when he sat, when he was in the hospital. He was in the hospital. He was, God, thank God for doctors, amen. But he took his Bible and he laid it over the portion of his body that was ill. Some would say, well, that's nice. He's got a Bible over his chest. 
No, 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 no. You don't understand. For him, he was seeing the manifestation of the hope that he has because the word is the title deed of what cannot yet be seen. That's got to be seeped. The challenge that we have is when we haven't believed for something, but we don't see a manifestation, we believe the fact over the truth. Years ago, I preached a message called Truth Trumps Facts. And that is the truth. But you have to absolutely believe the truth that's been given by the absolute authority to absolutely magnify your faith. Until this happens, then we have a lot of hoping going on, but not a lot of manifesting going on. Can I hear an amen? The Bible talked about this portion when we started reading this, and Jesus made a statement to the disciples. I want to remind you about the disciples. The disciples, there were, at this point, nine of them that were down trying to cast the devil out of this boy. The other three were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. When they came down off the mountain, the father ran over to Jesus and said, Listen now, you guys cannot produce. I brought my child to you. I put my faith in what I've heard about you. And what the disciples, I believed about them as they, you were being taught by them. And they tried to cast the devil out of my kid and could not. They, this is the exact words, they could not cure my son. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty serious. When someone comes for help and you can't provide, now I want you to recognize the response from Jesus was not to the world, but to his disciples. Powerful, vicious. Turn to someone and say, Jesus can be vicious sometimes. I thought he was all about love. He is, but sometimes you need love a whooping. Say Amen. Then Jesus answered and said this, O faithless and perverse, oh, come on now, generation, how long am I going to tolerate you? <laughs> well, I thought Jesus was always nice. He is being nice. He's being nice enough to tell the truth. Come on, you ever watch, they're getting ready, I heard that there's uh, the show, and what's that, what's that TV show where people get up there and sing? The voice, I, I think they're starting a new voice, right? I only like to, sh I only like to watch the first few shows because they, they are the most entertaining. They are the ones that people come and audition. And they stand up there and they, they say, someone told them they could sing. <laughs> and the fact is, is if that is singing, then the birds are dying. They howl, they scream, they, they trill, they crescendo, and the, everything breaks. But somebody has told them, you are an amazing singer. And they believe it. They really think it's true. There's nothing more cruel than telling somebody they are something that they are not. 
If you cannot sing, God has not given you a singing ministry. If you hate children, God has not called you to children's ministry. If you're grumpy, you're not called to stand at the door. And if you can't keep your car clean, you're not called to clean the church. Jesus was just telling, come on now, Jesus was just calling out what's happening here. You faithless and perverse generation. He's talking to his nine disciples. Man, I don't know about you, but that's kind of embarrassing when all of a sudden the absolute truth who lives in absolute authority looks at you and says you don't have any faith. Oh, ye of little faith. That's what that faithless means. It means a poquito. It means small amount of faith. Now, listen, you've got to know, we've got to recognize who these guys were. Well, these are the same ones in Matthew chapter 10 that Jesus sent out to go do ministry. He said, cast out devils, speak with new tongues. Come on now, excuse me. Cast out devils, raise the dead, heal all manners of sickness and disease, and go, just go do it. And they came back elated. They came back and said, oh, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they were talking about the great things that they did and they saw. Wow, man, I don't know about you. That is pumped up with faith. Can I hear an amen? You know, man, the first time you lay hands on somebody and they get their miracle, it's like, oh, Jesus is good. Oh, my God. Your faith level starts to rise. You get excited. I, listen, I love watching like A.A. Allen on on. Uh, on YouTube, and I love watching A.A. Allen because all of a sudden he pulls somebody out who's, who's paralyzed, can't walk, and has been in the hospital ready to die on hospice care, and he reaches down and says, in the name of Jesus, get up, and he pulls them out of the, out of the, out of the stretcher, and they get up and start running, and I watch A.A. Allen. He gets excited. I would get excited too. Even though I have absolute, even though you got faith in God, when you see the manifestation on earth, it's still exciting. Can I hear an amen? amen. Well, here are these disciples, God used them in miraculous ways. But now we're in another point. I want you to hear me now. Your past faith might not meet your now need. So many believers have built their faith when they were young, but are no longer, come on now, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. They're no longer feeding their faith, and they're depending upon the faith of the old them. The last week, the last year, how I used to pray for people, I don't care what you used to do, what are you doing now? Faith is now. Say amen or oh my. Jesus confronted them. He said, you perverse generation. I just don't think that that was nice. The word perverse there does not mean nasty. The actual word is twisted. Has anybody ever had this happen to you? You laid all those cords behind that television in order. And now you need to take that television out or take something else. And you reach down and you pull this out. So you're going to stand, oh, baby. 
I'm not good at puzzles. Oh, I think I got it. Come here. The scripture says Jesus' rebuke was simple. You faithless and twisted generation. He was talking about their faith. Twisted. Straight. Do you know how you keep this from being twisted? You constantly keep it stretched. When faith stops being stretched, I don't know, I think they're alive. Because you didn't put them that way. But because you don't have them stretched out, all you now have is a tangled mess. All you now have is twists. Crooked is the scripture. You perverse or twisted generation. You know what I sat back and I, I read this and I, I was like, whoa, that's pretty strong, Jesus. And I said, but when did the twist come? Listen, we talked about it a little bit last week. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. You see, when God created, God created everything good. God created them a garden. God planted them a garden. And then God, in, the, in his greatness, created mankind and he set them in order in the garden. You see, in the garden, we know that the Bible says that God walked with them daily. In and out of the garden, he spent time with them. God is holy. Therefore, unholiness was not allowed in his presence. So therefore, we know that they too were holy. They recognized the absolute authority. And they received the living word. Jesus said, he said, I was there from the beginning. So the absolute word was also present. And when God said something, it was infinitely depicted in the reality of a king's stamp that said, I cannot retract it even if I want to. But one day in Genesis chapter 3, this is where the twist came. Up to this point, all of the cords were straight. Up to this point, all of the power, come on now, all of the power was going without any confusion. It was going and there was order. God is not, come on now, God is not the author of confusion. And now everything was in order in heaven and on earth. And God had his kingdom in order. And he was sitting back and he was walking in and enjoying them, enjoying their presence, enjoying his time with his creation. And then one day they decided to stop stretching and living in what they were called to live. And they questioned divine authority. They questioned, they questioned the authority of the absolute. That's when it started to twist. How did he do that? How did Satan get God, the absolute authority? How did he get his creation that was created in his image to now get twisted? It's very simple. The devil came on the mark, and this is what he said. Did God really say Did God really say? 
Is this what God actually said? Absolute authority, absolute word, do not touch that tree. And now, rather than living in the faith of trusting the absolute authority with the absolute word, now the retraction is, hmm, I wonder, did God really mean that? Well, that's not what it looks like. Well, I don't feel it's bad. Well, I don't understand. And so Eve, listen, don't, get, don't be blaming Eve. The Bible says she was beguiled, but the man made a willful choice. Eve was beguiled, twisted. And she actually allowed the mind of the devil to become part of her thought process and his words to supersede the divine authority with the divine word and now their divine faith as they ate of the apple, or excuse me, ate of the fruit, the divine authority no longer could live in the faith that they once had. This is one that is a constant battle with you and I. If you're alive, if you're alive, say amen. amen. You see, if you're not alive, then you're okay. You're a zombie and we're going to shoot you. <laughs> I watched the show once. You know, My son Chad used to watch it all the time. I, I watched it once and I realized the only way to get rid of a zombie was to shoot him in the head, right? Isn't that what it is? Should we move on? <laughs> edit. Ben is so good at editing right now. Well, pastor, I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I know Jesus lived this way, and I know that he moved in the power of God. He absolutely believed in his authority. He absolutely believed who he was as the word. And he spoke in absolute faith. And everything that Jesus did came to fruition. There was no waiting. You know, the longest wait was a guy walking away with the other lepers. And on the way, he got healed. And then he came back. I don't understand it. I don't get it all. But, you know, I'm not Jesus. And this is the conflict. When you and I get this, then we can pay attention to it. See, if you don't know something's wrong, you can't pay attention to it. I want you to know that I pay attention to my sewer. Because it started getting clogged about, what, six months ago. So, of course, I called Brother Chad. <laughs> hey, Uncle Chad. But before it got clogged, I made sure it was taken care of. The pipes that came apart, I went and got some of that purple glue crap. <laughs> I don't want it to come apart. I don't want my spiritual life to come apart. I don't want my faith to come apart. So I've got to fix or pay attention to at least there's a danger that that could occur in my life. When you have absolute authority, has absolute truth, 
And now God is calling you to have absolute faith. It causes an absolute problem. Because we've got to deal with our circumstances. We've got to deal with our heads. Jesus, help us all. Bring into captivity every thought and imagination that will raise us up against God. You have the mind of Christ. The battle is not with the devil. My wife said, he's defeated. She's preaching with me. The battle is what word is stronger that you'll put your faith in. There's the battle. Pandemic comes around. Is it real? People have died. I don't know if you saw the new CDC. I just actually, I kept, I actually took a picture of it. Uh, it was on uh, OAN News, and it's on their website, is that if they kept the same, the same criteria of death that they have kept for the last 20 years, the death rate would go from 465,000 people to 35,000 people. How real? I don't really know, but I do know this. Fear became stronger than faith. It's not that you're not to be wise. God called us to be wise. Can I hear an amen? amen? But I've watched people in this house, over 300 of them, I just got a list of them that I'm going to start calling this week that have not been back in eight or nine, almost nine months to the house of God. Actually, 11 months now. God's word says this, but fear says this. God's word says this, the absolute truth says this. By my emotions, the CDC and my governor says this. My fear says this. We either serve an absolute authority that has absolute truth and he's called us to absolute faith or not. By the way, this is not the kind of preaching you want to use to keep people. But this is the kind of preaching that Jesus did. And he did this kind of preaching because he knows how heaven works. And I don't know about any of you, but I don't pray not to get an answer. I don't come to church because I want to pacify some religious, some religious organization. I don't put my money out of my pocket and into a plate because I think it's going to help kumbaya somebody. I believe the word of God is absolutely true. I believe that God is the king of kings. He is absolute authority. So the problem is not God. The problem is me. Perverse generation. Faithless and perverse Little faith and twisted. The twist came when, Ad, when Adam and Eve did their thing in the garden. 
but Jesus came to break the power of the devil in our life. So therefore, we don't have to be twisted anymore. We can be straight. Can I hear an amen? Well, we, can, we can look at that cord and say, hey, you know something? Look at it. I twisted that myself. And look, I did a good job. You know, we can look at this and say, you know what? This is my life. I'm kind of twisted here. I believe many times more my circumstances or what our governor declares. Come on now. I, I don't, I'm not against flesh and blood, but sometimes flesh and blood is louder to people. But God has called us to grab a hold of our faith and to stretch it out, to get untangled, to get untwisted. Come on now. We've got to untwist our faith. What is it, what is it twisted with? It's twisted with our circumstances. It's twisted with what we were taught as a child. It's twisted with what our fears seem to be controlling. It's twisted with everything but the absolute word of God. You see, this is, the, this is why we have either got to believe the Bible or not believe the Bible. And I want you to realize the twists don't come apart easy. Stubborn little foul thing. I've got to be intentional. I've got to take the authority. I've got to be the one that makes this happen. God's not going to make this happen in your life. God already has made it happen in your life. The problem is not God. The problem is we've got to get back to believing that he is the absolute authority. I bow my knees before the living God. I'm not going to stand before him. I bow before him. He is the king of kings. Listen, this is not about uh, pompous. This is who he is. He is the great authority. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord, owner, Adonai. The word that is before us, he declares, is his word. Well, you know, I, I just question it. Well, then you can't have faith in anything. How do you actually know you're saved? Oh, because you like that part. How can you trust that part if you can't trust the part that says tithe? Don't mean to be offensive. Faithless and perverse generation. How can you believe one part but not the other? Hmm. Nothing to lose. I honor and respect that you're watching online. But why are you watching online? If it's out of fear, then you don't believe in absolute faith. Watch now. If it's out of laziness, then you do not believe in absolute truth. If it's out of your life just not wanting to obey God, then you don't believe in absolute authority. Now, some people are home because they have to be. I understand that. That's just reality. And I've been home over a month and a half this year. <laughs> I've had more Sundays off this year than probably the last collective 20 together because of honor and respect. Somebody said, well, you're not following the governor. 
I don't follow the governor. I follow Jesus. I follow the word of God. If we followed the governor, we'd still be shut down. That's true. Supreme Court overrode him. We'd still be shut down. We'd still have 25 people in this room. That's all you could have had. Listen, if China obeys their government, then there is no church, even though they are driven underground. See, the question is, is do we actually believe the Bible is true? And when we do, are we going to choose to put our faith more in the Bible than in our everyday experiences that have really created our own Bible? We justify our actions. Anybody else ever done it besides me? We justify our actions that the word of God says nay, and we say yay, and then we say because. And our justification in our own mind nullifies the word of God because now absolute truth is now subjected to your reality. We've got to make a decision. Will we be stretched? Will we be straight? Or will we be perverse, twisted, and crooked? Now, you see, this is, twi this is crooked. Where'd the boy go? <laughs> hey! Pastor Cody, get up there. He probably went potty. <laughs> Grab the other end of that. Watch now. It was crooked. Now, it's not. Change forward. Change forward. It doesn't matter who you are and what you've been. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter that I preached for 33 years. I, I've, I've got to recognize I could backslide this year and nullify all the rest. I could have had faith in year 12 when I, when I prayed for people with brain tumors and brain cancers and they disappeared. But I could be perverse, twisted, and crooked this year and not pray for anybody. It's not where you've been, it's where you're going. It's not just how you started, it's how you finish. And I challenge you, thank you. Now you see, he and I pulled that, it's straighter even though there is no tension. Tension always seems to straighten your faith. Because your faith is a theory until tested. Oh, oh, my God! <laughs> Sorry. They are good-looking shoes. I just need you to know that this is not a conflict for just a few. This is a conflict for all of us. And we're all on different levels of this conflict. 
We're all in different places in our walk with the Holy Spirit. We're all in different places in our walk with faith. For I walk by faith and not by sight. But every one of us are in a different level and a different plane and a different place. And it's not that we look at somebody else and judge them where they are. Listen, take care of the own plank out of your own eye. And the plank in our own eye is we can't be perverse. We've got to start believing God's word, which means, listen, 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 which means when trouble comes, we have a choice. Do I choose to believe my fears, my circumstance, my, the dictation from, from my culture? Or do I choose to believe the absolute truth? Is the conflict. And not one person in this room, this fight will never be completely won until, like Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. That's why the Bible says, fight the good fight of We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Where's your faith? Do you actually believe is the absolute authority? If God told you to be like, listen now, some of you have some means. What if God told you to sell all that you have and follow me? Do they, does that stuff own you or do you own it? What if God said, I want you to be in the house of God every time the doors are open for the next year? Would you obey him? What if God said, I want you to give a certain amount. I want you to go down this aisle at Walmart and pray for this person. Would you do it? Because remember, if you can't follow him in the small You'll never be trusted with the much. And I don't know about you. This world has definitely shown evidence that Jesus is coming. The Bible says you can see the time and the seasons. You can see it. You can just look in the sky and see. We see. And in that, we've got to be more focused than ever before. Now you have to, come on now, you have to, you have to work. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But here's the fact. Only the things that are done for Christ are going to last anyways. My question is, where's your faith? Where are you in your faith? Where are you? Twisted? Perverse? Perverse means twisted, crooked. Is that your faith? You used to be straight, but now you've had circumstances and problems come in your life that you didn't get the answer that you were anticipating. It didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. How amazing it is that we actually think we can tell God how he should do it. My wife and I have talked about that so many times. 
You started off straight, but now because of that problem, now because you didn't get what you wanted, now because you didn't get the answer, now you're really twisted and crooked. It takes longer to get there. Where are you? Where are you? Bow your heads with me this morning. I've gone long, but I promised you I would. I am not a liar, except when I say I'm going to go short. That is code word for long. Today, I don't know what you're going through. Some, you know what? That's the amazing part, isn't it? We love to judge other people, but we're not wearing their shoes. We don't really know what's happened in their life. We really don't know the trauma. We really don't know the attacks. We really don't know the issues. But yet we sit back in our own little conscious mind and judge them according to where they are. The only one who knows your heart really is God. There have been preachers who stood up behind the pulpit. They've had miracles and signs and wonders. Everyone thought that they were the most brilliant in the kingdom. And then everybody found out they've been doing six women and four little boys. Can't understand why. Listen, only God knows your heart. I don't know your heart, and I will never try to. I do not want to be God. I'm called to be a shepherd. But where is your faith? When trials come your way, what is the collision? When thoughts come in your mind that are contrary to the scripture, how long are they allowed to remain? That's just you. My wife wrote a book after she was healed the first time from cancer. She had that miraculous healing. God Cannot Lie is the name of the book. And a lot of people think, if you've never read it, you think the actual book is about the miracle. That's not what the book is about at all. When you read the book, it's about the battle in her mind after the miracle. When the devil told her, you're going to die still. When the devil told her, it didn't really happen, you didn't get a miracle, even though we had proof from the doctors. In the times when I wasn't awake, she was upstairs and the enemy was torturing her mind, trying to tell her that the miracle wasn't real, that God wasn't real, that the truth wasn't real. Listen now, the battle is real. But Jesus has given you real victory. He's given you faith. Every man's been given a measure. Build it. And don't rely upon yesterday's faith. Rely upon today's faith. By the way, can you applaud just for a second? You know what you're doing? You're applauding yourself. Because you were wise enough, brilliant enough to be in the house of God where faith was preached. You have more faith now than you had when you walked in the door. That's brilliant. 
Well, I could have just watched it on TV. No, it's not the same. The anointing is different. Or Jesus would have just told all of the disciples, listen, just go to a tent somewhere and just think about it. No. Jesus always got crowds together. The Beatitudes was a crowd. Feeding 5,000 was a crowd. Come on now. Go through the feedings. They were all crowds. Jesus was into crowds. He even drove the crowds away. John chapter 6. He said, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to eat, you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they all thought he was talking about cannibalism. So they all left him. All the people that followed him, except for the disciples. And he said, are you guys going to go too? And this is what they said, ready? Where would we go? Peter said this. You're the one with the words of eternal life. Absolute truth. Where are you? God will meet you right where you are to grow you, untwist you, unkink you, so that you will believe the absolute truth given by the absolute authority. Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, this is a very confrontational message. This is the conflict. It's not just them. You've been, you've been in conflict with me. You and I have had multiple discussions about this message for many weeks. And, and Father, I ask that you will forgive me. I ask that you will wash my sin away of non-belief, unbelief. That Jesus, you'll become greater in my life that I'll believe that if your word says it, it doesn't matter what anything else says. Your truth will make me free. Your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm not asking you to join a church or religion. I don't have a lot of time. But if you would like to know God, I'm talking know God, I'd like you to slide your hand up right now. I'm not going to wait long. Five, four, come on, get your hand up. Three, you want to get right with Jesus. Two, last call, and one. Oh, I see. Thank you very much in the back. Amen. This is your moment. Today, this is what I want to do. Do you mind if we do public repentance? Do you don't mind? Do you don't mind? I want you to pray right out loud with me. Jesus, we thank you that you are the absolute authority. You are God, and we are not. You cannot lie. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that you are divine truth, absolute truth, and you are the word. And we ask Jesus that you will forgive us when we've doubted your word, when we've listened to the whisper of Lucifer, to question whether your word is true. You are truth. We declare it today. Forgive us for un unbelief. Forgive us for our doubt. Oh, Jesus, untwist us. God, make us straight. Get our eyes fixed on you that we'll believe whatever the Bible says as truth. In Jesus' name. Amen.
I told you, I preached long. I could keep going on this one because this is my reality too. It's my reality. We've just gone through, Pastor Ron is going to be preaching about uh, next week. Is it next week? Wow. Are you sure it's next week? Wow, Pastor Ron is preaching next week about, about what she just went through. It's been a year and a quarter of doctors telling her that she was going to die in two weeks. It's been not like the first one. The first one was a miracle. This one was a healing, an unappreciated healing. I really, I'm appreciated that it's, that it's pretty much done. But I'm, I'm not appreciated that it went that way. And there was my conflict. I want miracles. Well, we didn't get a miracle. We got a healing. It irritated me. Yeah. But this sermon is birthed out of our experience. But our experience can't birth a new Bible. The Bible has to birth our experience. Ooh. Next week, you don't want to miss it. I'm telling you. Pastor Ron is going to be preaching. Not only is she usually powerful anyways, but she's going to be preaching what hell she just went through and how if God will do it for her, he'll do it for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we release the blessing of God on this house. We declare that we are blessed going in and blessed going out. We declare that no sickness, no disease, no maiming, no wounding, no growths, no spirits of infirmity are allowed on our bodies. We declare in the name of Jesus that we will prosper in all things and be in good health even as our soul prospers. We declare that we will be so blessed that the world will have to take notice and see that the church is prospering even in the midst of trial and tribulation. And I declare it in Jesus' name that each one of us will win at least three souls this year to Jesus Christ and that they'll know you as their Savior. We declare it. Bless the offering. Bless the giver. Bless the seed. Bless the tithe. We rebuke the devourer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're going to ask you when you do leave that you leave orderly according to CDC guidelines. Make sure your masks are on. You can make, make your way out that way. The offering pail is in the back. You can see me holding the burning mortgage. That is by faith, and I declare it to be done in Jesus' name. Don't forget, if you are a guest today or a person that has never connected with anybody, please make your way to the connection room. My left, your right. Go down the hallway. We got some snacks for you. We want to bless you. We want to connect with you. God's got great things just for you. Hallelujah.